This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com. Bobby Orr, behind the net to Sanderson, Bobby Orr! For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like Eddie Shore. With writer and producer Brian DeFelice. Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Prue. Yeah, he's a little bit on the hot seat. Burn him! And WEEI.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin. Great Scott! Lace him up for some bees talk right now. I'm not gonna f***ing It's the Skate Pod on WEEI. Welcome into episode 93 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Prue and Scott McLaughlin. And after about seven months of a very, very long regular season, guys, the playoffs are finally upon us starting tomorrow. Yeah, finally. Uh, got that last exhibition game out of the way on Friday <laughs> with the uh, Providence Bruins and Toronto Marlies playing. Um, I kind of I feel like it snuck up on us a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I, I think, I feel like the fact that like the off day, like the two days between our weekend makes it feel shorter. Like, I don't know that that doesn't logically make sense, but (laughs) it it feels like if the season ended on a, on a Monday and the series started on a Thursday, I feel like that'd be different. I don't know why, but no, it makes sense. Scott. I thought the same thing too. Um, Like it just feels like it it was such a long regular season. It's almost just kind of a little bit, a little bit of imposter syndrome. The fact that, Oh, the playoffs are starting already like because <laughs> it, it's it's hard to explain but i think i know what you what you mean and well, because the playoffs the last two years have been delayed so it's like okay well yeah. weird we're back having playoffs in april well and like like i'm an, N- an nba fan too and like they have the play-in game so like when the celtics regular season ended it was a full week before the first playoff game so it was like you know you can overanalyze everything in a full week like here we go. We got two days. Let's go. <laughs> right. So I guess, you know, we should start off by saying who the Bruins are playing in the first round, uh, which is the no, Carolina. No, leave people guessing. Yeah. <laughs> go look Go look it up, <laughs> which is the uh, the Carolina Hurricanes. So, guys, I just guess you, you, your gut uh, instincts, your, your, your knee-jerk reactions to when it was – when you got that clarity, like, okay, it's finally going to be Carolina, but how do I feel about it? So what was running through you guys' minds? Well, my first reaction was great. We get to have Sarah Sivian on the skate pod. <laughs> so should sh- should note that uh, we have her coming up um, later in this episode and we'll get deeper into all things hurricanes. Um, but no, I think obviously your, your mind goes to uh, the three regular season meetings this season and just how lopsided they were. Hurricanes win all three and outscore the Bruins 16 to one. And it's, you know, I think there's a, there seems to be a lot of fans who are almost like packing it in and, and, you know, not giving the Bruins much of a chance because of that. So the, the follow-up that everyone should be asking is like, do those three games matter? And if so, how much? And I think they matter a little. I don't think they should be completely dismissed, but there's like, there's extenuating circumstances with all of them too, Um, you know, which we'll dive into, but I don't – I think the people going into this with a defeatist attitude, uh, you know, I, I can't speak for you guys, but maybe I can um, provide some optimism as, as we go along here because – Wow, that's I, unlike you, Scott. I know, because I don't think it's – I don't think it's that dire. I don't think it's like, oh, well, they got smoked three times. Like, you know, they'll be lucky to get to six games. Yeah, no, I – 
I actually really haven't heard people saying that um, too much that they thought that it was going to be a blowout. You're, you're not online enough, Bridget. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not on Twitter as much as you, Scott. So maybe I haven't seen it yet, but I completely have the opposite feeling of whoever's saying that because I thought that majority of those games were kind of, they, they were just a little bit fluky. And I don't think you're going to see a seven to one or six to nothing game, the playoffs. I actually think um, Bruins probably don't even take the full seven games to beat Carolina. That's just kind of how it's gone when they played them in the playoffs. So I don't, I don't see that as how the, it's not going to be a sweep. Uh, It's not going to be like that at all. I don't think. And goaltending is going to factor into this more so than people are probably realizing. Did you just tip your your hand? You, you think uh, you think it's going to be a Bruins Bruins series win? Yeah, I think so. Um, we'll uh, we'll save our full predictions <laughs> for later. But okay. I just I just that's I just disagree with whoever. Like I said, I haven't seen it as much as maybe you guys. Scott's probably on there tweeting back at at the trolls, but yes. <laughs> but well, I don't think so. When I um when the when I always break down a, a, a Bruins playoff series and, and, you know, how I think they'll fare, I rarely ever um, take into account, like, the regular season matchup because it's a completely different season. And a lot of times that that's that regular season matchup is in favor of the Bruins. Most times it is, actually. So if I don't take it into account when the Bruins are – it benefits them, I, I have to be consistent and not really take it into account now. And it, not to say that you don't take anything from that series, but – my my point is it's a new season and there's reasons why teams no show in the regular season, whether it's, you know, uh, a difficult part of their schedule or whatever. So um, I definitely think that I'm, and, and I'll, I'll save it towards the end too, I guess, but I, I am leaning, I think Carolina, but it has nothing to do with the, um, with the regular season series. It's, it has to do with me looking at their roster and breaking down how they play and just looking at all the size on defense and, how difficult I believe it's going to be to penetrate, um, you know, uh, the goal, I suppose. And um, so those are the things that I'm looking at that I say, okay, I think these things could benefit Carolina, but it has nothing to do with the 16 to one. Um, I've, I've tossed those out the window at this point. I'm just looking at these two teams and uh, at, at face value. And I just think down the lineup, you know, are the Bruins going to, are the Bruins forwards going to be able to, um, break Carolina's defense. And that to me is, is, is a very big question. I just don't know the answer to until I see it. I do think it's going to be a very long series, but I don't take the uh, regular season series into account when, when, when looking at the playoffs. Yeah. I think Bridget touched on something really important, which should, I guess should probably be like the first area that we dive into, which is goaltending and, you know, worth noting, um, we're recording Sunday morning, so we might find out more information Sunday or, or Monday at some point leading up to the up to game one. But the latest reports have been that Frederick Anderson, who obviously Bruins fans are familiar with from his time in Toronto, you know, facing him in the first round in 2018, 2019, um, has had a great season for Carolina, could be a Vezina Trophy finalist, and got hurt about two weeks ago has not played since uh, as of Saturday had not been on the ice since the injury. And it sounds like he's going to at least miss the start of the series. Again, maybe we, maybe he practices in full Sunday and surprises everyone and he's ready to go. But 
it seems like he's probably out to start the series, which leaves him with Auntie Ranta, who has had a really inconsistent season as, you know, mostly the number two and the rookie Peter Kachikov, who's three and oh, but not super impressive numbers. Nine Oh two save percentage. Um, kind of seems like the center in Carolina is that he might be the game one starter if Anderson can't go. So that's, you know, on the one hand, it's a goalie that the Bruins haven't seen and therefore don't know. But on the other, it's a goalie who has played a total of about 180 minutes in the NHL. Yeah, he has only played three games this season. So, yeah. um, so that's obviously a huge concern. And Brian mentions, you know, uh, they might have a, the Bruins might have a hard time cracking the Carolina defense. Well, they can only do so much if your goalie's not back there making the saves they need to. So uh, that's you know, what factored in for me, obviously they have a great defense, but when you don't have your number one goalie back there and you don't have a backup, that's like the Bruins situation with all Mark and Swayman. It's definitely, it's different. You have to take that in consideration when you're talking about um, their defense as a whole. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was just looking at the, um, some of the, uh, the, the analytics, I know you guys. Probably- oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah, Scott, this finally, time- finally he's come around. Look at Scott's well, ripping off. I, I should say it, it not, 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 no analytics. I couldn't just look up on NHL.com real quick, which is the power play percentage. I was trying to see what Carolina's power play was all year. Um, it's, it's better than the Bruins, but it's not that much better. It's not, and, oh, it's yeah. like 22 to 21 ish. Yeah. And they, and they ended the season on their own slump. They finished the season three for 37. So, yeah. Because- well, that's the interesting, that's one of the interesting things to me is that if, if the Bruins had got Toronto, Toronto has been on this upward trajectory for the the last month and Carolina has been kind of doing what the Bruins have been doing, which was struggling on the power play um, and just kind of tailing off coming off of a hot streak. Um, So I think that it, it was the better draw for them just because they're kind of at the same point in their season where they're not, they're not catching a hot team. Neither of these teams are catching a hot team. They're both kind of at the same spot, trying to get back to their game uh, in the playoffs. So, and I do think just a side note, I don't think that uh, the Bruins wanted to play Toronto, hence the sitting everyone in the final game of the season against Toronto. And I think Cassie tipped his hand to that, um, when I was in the post-game press conference against Buffalo, he tipped his hand to he wasn't going to play his key players because he said we have a few 24 to 48 hour injuries, which was basically like, yeah, we're people are going to be back for the playoffs, but they're not going to play tomorrow. And he also said, uh, be careful what you wish for, because people were asking, oh, does this, you know, do you want to play your players? Do you want to have that third spot rather than the wild card? And he was just like, mm, be careful what you wish for. So I think that he knew the better draw was always going to be Carolina. No coach or player will ever say that, obviously. Um, and it, you get the Toronto fans like, well, they don't want to play us anyway. They're scared. Uh, <laughs> so I, I think that for for a few of those reasons that I just said, uh, Carolina was the draw they wanted. Well, I, I think they more so, um, I think, I think it's the bracket that they wanted. It's it absolutely that if both, both things are, and, but nobody will ever say it cause it, you know, it looks bad if you do, you're like, Oh no, I'd rather play Carolina, but, um, it, it worked out for them. Uh, and that's why we saw the Providence Bruins <laughs> on the last game of the season. Yeah. I, I think, I don't know if it's necessary that they preferred one of the other. I think they just, 
at the very least, they didn't care. And we're going to prioritize rest and, and health and not playing guys on a back-to-back to end the season. Um, I, I just think it didn't matter to them. And, you know, if you like, if you look around the bracket, really the one team you probably want to be on the opposite side is, is Tampa just in case they do have a, a switch that they can flip here. You know, that's another team that didn't finish on the hottest of streaks and, you know, has some guys who look like maybe they, uh, maybe they're kind of, you know, a little tired from going two straight years with such long playoff runs and then playing a full 82 this season. Um, but you, they're the two time defending champs. Like you have to, give them the benefit of the doubt until someone knocks them off. And the Bruins are going to be on the opposite side as Tampa, no matter what, by the, by those last couple of days of the season. So, you know, I think they just didn't really care one way or the other. If, you know, I had been saying for a while that, you know, Florida was the one team I didn't want to have to go through, but then you look at the way the Bruins played against them and you look at the way Florida finished up the season, given now I know it didn't matter at all for them, but giving up 10 goals to Montreal you know, suddenly they don't, they don't look so scary. Like you can, you can break down that defense and the Bruins did it pretty easily earlier well, in the week. So. Yeah. Well, Scott, why don't, there's a good time to explain the bracket if you want to um, explain where everything stands. Sure. So in, in the East it's, you know, so the Atlantic side of the bracket is Florida against Washington. Florida finishes the number one seed. Washington is the second wild card. And then Toronto, Tampa Bruins, because they were the top wild card, uh, flip over to the Metropolitan, face Carolina. Winner of that series will face the Rangers Penguins winner. So that's that. So the Bruins options going to the last day were either, you know, potentially face Toronto, which wouldn't have happened any or because Tampa won, right? They end up winning their last game anyways. So it wouldn't have mattered anyways, even if the Bruins had played everyone and won. Um, but they didn't really care. They end up losing, so they they finish on fourth in the division and in that top wild card spot. Um, yeah, I just I just saw that uh, that that Florida gave up ten goals. I didn't know I didn't know that until you just said that. Yeah, <laughs> I, was like, Wait, what? I, I imagine it was a it was a situation like they they sat everybody. Uh, I think they sat a couple guys, but they actually were were playing most of their team. I think. They were very much going through the motions, but uh, still not not exactly how you want to end the season. No, definitely not. Definitely not. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I think you, I think you're right, Scott. I really don't think the Bruins cared who they got in round one. I think both teams, Toronto and Carolina, offer their their pros and cons to playing them. Um, but you know, at the same time, I, I do think that you know, if you gave Bruce Cassidy some truth serum, you know, I do think he would have preferred the. Uh, the Carolina matchup simply for, like I said, just the, 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 the bracket beyond that. Um, but you got to take care of business. So it doesn't really matter. And uh, I, I do think Carolina would present, I don't know. It's tough. I, I think, I think Toronto's speed and offense would have, would have given the Bruins some fits, but. And power play. Yes. The power play for sure. So, but I just think that Carolina's there, it's going to be a very, um, taxing series on the body. I feel like it's just going to be earning every single area of space out there and whatnot. And, you know, so I think, you know, you guys talked about the goaltending briefly and you know, I do think the, the, the check mark goes to the Bruins there, you know, even if, you know, Freddie Anderson's healthy, I mean, I don't think he's necessarily, uh, you know, a world stopper back there, but, um, 
<laughs> I'm laughing at Bridget's screen. <laughs> uh, yeah, her, I never, I'm never alone on these things. Her cat, like, like <laughs> Pete gets face into the screen. That's All Daisy. Right. She's not shy. She also has thoughts. <laughs> um, but I do think, you know, with Carolina's uh, health situation and goal, the, the Bruins do kind of have that advantage right now. As far as defense goes, I don't think that Carolina has a huge advantage on defense over the Bruins at all, especially if um, Brandon Carlo and Matt Grizzly can play to their to their ceiling. If those guys are average, then the scale is going to go right to Carolina. But if Carlo and Grizzly can can be the 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 bona fide top four defense that they are behind a pair of, of McAvoy and Lindholm, and then a third pair of Forbert and Clifton, which we talked about last week, has just been you know real good for them, um, then. I don't think the, the the advantage goes to Carolina on D, but it's just about if Carlo and Grizzly can play to their ceilings. And I think they've been kind of average, a little mediocre the last month. Side note, I watching this Toronto game, you know, seeing who they sat and who they didn't sit, I'm sitting here going, why are they playing Brandon Carlo? Why is he playing in this game? That means nothing. Yeah. And as a guy who always gets injured in the last week of the season or at some point in the playoffs and could, easily have used the rest that was one that i was like really well, and then jake debrus scared me too yeah well they had to choose between carlo or grizzly to rest one because they they maxed out their number of call-ups so um they're and they're both injury prone so. and the, they were definitely going to wrestle in and mcavoy those are you know two of your five most important players so it was either grizzly or carlo and i think i think grizzly's probably been a little bit more banged up you know especially down the stretch last month or two so I guess they decided to rest him. And again, same with DeBrusque. Like you had five forwards they could rest. So, you know, Bergeron, Marchand, Hall, Pasternak were obvious. And then it's like Halla or DeBrusque or maybe Coyle. But, you know. They didn't rest anyone from that third line. So, yeah. Which was probably was probably fine because I think that's maybe a line you wanted to see get going a little bit that, you know, still kind of has still kind of had something to like work through where they've been a little bit up and down recently. So that made sense to me. And plus it, it, it means uh, Charlie Cole gets to be the only Bruin to play in all 82 games this season, which is especially nice for him coming off, you know, an injury that didn't force him to miss much time last year, but clearly hindered him quite a bit. And I don't want to jinx him, but he's looked completely healthy throughout the season. There's never yeah. been like a question like, oh, is Charlie going to play today? He's always he's been able to keep himself pretty healthy. So, uh, Scott, we'll start with you. If um, when you're sizing up the the personnel on the back end for these two teams, you know, um, not to just give a check mark, but I, I guess just how do you feel that they stack up? I think they're pretty even. I mean, I think. I'd probably give the Bruins the edge in terms of the top pair with Lindholm McAvoy only because so the Hurricanes sort of have two top pairs, which, which is nice. Like they have Slavin, D'Angelo and uh, Shea Pesci and Shea Pesci is really more like the defensive minded one. Like I think they'll probably get the toughest matchups. Tony D'Angelo is pretty unproven on the playoff stage. Like he's had a really good, season going to Carolina for cheap after you know they're being it, a dumbass yeah dumbassing <laughs> his way out of New York so um you know seems like he's found his footing and and kept things relatively on the straight and narrow in Carolina um but like I said hasn't been on the stage and and Carol you know 
one like overarching theme, and I think we'll probably get into this more with Sarah, but the Hurricanes have so much to prove. Like they they are no longer, at least in my mind, maybe other people feel differently, but in my mind, they're no longer like the young up and coming team, you know, nice to see them here type thing. Like it, it should be their time. And they've gone out in the playoffs pretty meekly in recent years. Like 2019 obviously went to the conference finals, but gets swept by the Bruins. 2020 in the bubble, losing five games to the Bruins in a series where Tuka Rask leaves after game two. Uh, and then but Svechnikov last- did get hurt in that series. Yeah, certainly a factor uh, or a pretty big factor. They were really um, pissed off at Chara for that for some reason. But yeah, but like, I, don't, I mean, is Svechnikov like a bigger loss than Rask? Like, I, I feel like, you know, both teams are dealing with stuff. The Bruins fought through it and won the series. And then last year, they go in five games to Tampa, which is like, to me, they should be at a point where they're now proving themselves against those teams and at least being competitive in those series like you can't they i mean if they go out if the bruins beat them in like five games in the series i feel like the Hurricanes have to be thinking about major major shakeups like because that, that would tell me there's just some some sort of big issue with the core of this team so but should... on like on paper and really on the ice like this season you don't you don't know what it is like there's that's hard to put your finger on what that would be that that you'd have to change well in part in part of it you know and one of the issues i think they run into and one of the reasons that this is the first time maybe i'll tip my hand that i'm leaning towards bruins is that the hurricanes just don't have star power and you know you can build a really solid team and have some really good players sebastian i was a really good player Jacob Slavin is one of the most underrated defensemen in the league. Andrei Svechnikov is very talented. But those guys have not been able to, like, take over playoff games. In fact, they've gotten shut down in the playoffs. Like, the Bruins have done a good job shutting those guys down when they well, faced them. Yeah, think just think about their styles of play. They're, they're, first of all, those are three European players. Um, and so sometimes the style of play coming out of Europe is a little bit different, where it's a skill game and you're not, you know – Obviously, Svechnikov's coming from Russia, so that's a little different. But um, those those are different styles of game than, you know, you're getting pushed off the puck by Craig Smith or Charlie Coyle. Those guys aren't always winning those matchups. Yeah, I just think it's going to be fascinating because, like, those guys in my mind, now they're all two years older than the last time the Bruins saw them in the playoffs, and they're all very much in their primes now, not, like, just starting their primes, but in their primes. And I feel like this is like a real prove it moment for them. And the Bruins, meanwhile, they have star power and they have guys who have stepped up in the playoffs. Like mm-hmm. Bergeron and Marchand have done it. David Potsnock is, despite often dealing with something in the playoffs, has been a point per guy, point per game guy in the playoffs in his career. Um, and we know he's dealing with something now with, you know, whatever this core issue is, but seems to be managing it. He can play through it. So. I guess you're not super concerned unless he, you know, re-aggravates it. Um, but I, th- I just think, you know, Charlie McAvoy has been a playoff performer. Like I feel like the Bruins high top end guys have more of more of that experience and have done it more in the playoffs and the hurricanes, despite always having good regular seasons and always being there in the playoffs still feel like a team with something to prove. By the way, the three guys I'm talking about are, Sebastian Ajo, Andre Spechnikov, and Tavo Teravine, and those are their top three goal scorers or yep. top three point scorers. Um, and that's that's where I'm coming from. They're still young, but th- like you said, they're two years older than when 
the Bruins played them last time and they just play a different kind of style. I think then the Bruins aren't the big, bad Bruins anymore, but they're still, um, you know, kind of tough enough to push those guys around a little bit. Yeah, they are. But, but the same could be said the other way around too. I think there's guys in the Bruins that could be pushed around and boxed out of the series as well. So, and and, uh, I'm trying to figure out if uh, Vinny Trocek was in that playoff series that the Bruins beat them in the bubble. Do you guys remember if he was? I, it, the, it says he was on the team that year, but he played seven games, so I don't know if he was hurt. I'm just trying to look up, look at some names in Carolina that – because it was only a couple of years ago, but some names in Carolina that weren't there last time they played in the playoffs, like Seth Jarvis, who's a rookie. Um, Max Domi, obviously, is new this year. I don't think he's anything great, but um, I think Derek Stepan is, is, is a new name since they last played. Um but they look, I just think with Carolina, with the Bruins just have to be ready to go from the start. And and I know the Bruins are a veteran team and and they, they really should be ready to go. But uh, Rod Brindamore and, and the Hurricanes always seem to have a lot of juice in the first round. I mean, you know, they 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 um, they beat Washington a few years ago. They just they just well, I guess the bubble against the Bruins was the yeah. first round. Trocek did bring, play in that series all five games, by the way. Zero goals, two assists. Huh. Okay. Also, there's the the, the whole uh, Lamborghini versus Prius storyline in the series. Yeah, that's something to keep an eye on for <laughs> sure. I mean, that'll be, that'll be the ultimate payback for Marchand. Um, I guess the Bruins DB did beat them in round one in the bubble, so that that was the first round. So, and then they they lost to the Lightning in the first round, right? Uh, I think that was the second round. They beat Nashville in the first round. Oh. yeah. Carolina versus Nashville, the, an Eastern Conference classic. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, that last, great SEC rivalry. Last, <laughs> or last, actually, Carolina's ACC territory, really. So, that doesn't year, even work on the college level. Last year's playoffs has my mind in a pretzel with all the different. I know, like, like Vegas was playing Montreal in the Western <laughs> final. So, um, I, I guess my point is Rod Brindamore and, and, and his coaching staff. The, these guys, these guys play hard for them. So. You know, especially being on on the road to start, the Bruins just have to be ready to go. Um, and I agree with what you guys are saying. I definitely think the Bruins have, you know, um, more high end talent. But I just think that sometimes when a when when a team's DNA is molded into them as a certain uh, style of play, and they're very hard to play against, like the Bruins have, the Bruins have that as well. Um, I just think a real key to the series is a lot of big bodies on the on on Carolina's back end, especially between Pesci and Slavin. And, and Brendan Smith and Ian Cole and um, Brady Shea. I mean, these, these guys are – the only guy that's undersized is uh, is um, Tony D'Angelo. Everybody else in Carolina's defense, I feel like, is well over six feet. So it's going to be a challenge for the Bruins. To... Ethan Ethan Bear, too, if he plays. He's 5'11". Oh, okay. So I think, I think maybe... Same as D'Angelo. Yeah. Okay. But but either way, though, like the Bruins, they're, they're going to have to work hard to get to the net. And I'm talking about – you know, Craig Smith, I'm talking about Eric Halla, um, just guys that are a little bit um, undersized, but it's just the Bruins. And the problem is it's it's the Bruins depth players that will get to the net, like 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 uh, like Nick Felino, like Trent Frederick, um, like Thomas Nosek, Curtis Lazar. But I just I just don't see them being huge scoring threats because they haven't been that all year. So hopefully no sick has got to be the most like snake bitten player on the team. Like he's always right, like right around the net and misses by like a half an inch or something. Well, Matt Kalman's bold prediction that he's mentioned a couple times on Sunday skate is that no six can have three goals in the first round. 
maybe he will. Maybe he will. But with, with Nosek, I just feel like he uh, he's supposed to be a guy who who makes a lot of who, who really makes mistakes. And and that's why you live with the lack of offensive production. But I I've just noticed a lot of careless plays by him um, the, the last like month of, of hockey. Like he's still a pretty steady guy back uh, you know on the fourth line, but he'll just like little, little things like failing to get the puck in deep on a line change. Like he'll just like, he just won't get enough on the puck and it goes right to their defense. And then just like little things like that. It's like, well, but, but if you're supposed to be this, like, you know, real solid defensive player, and that's why we're not, we're going to live with you not scoring, then you better be that. And because if not, then like he should be replaced if, if he's not, uh, if he's not playing to his standards. And um, yeah. I just feel like he has this free pass back there on the fourth line. Yeah. And I think that's part of why, Cassidy sat him at one point and like you know I remember when he did it and this was I don't know what three weeks ago or so Cassidy was asked like you know is that just to get other guys in and he was like, like he didn't give no sec the out he was like no we also need more from him like his game slipped recently so um yeah so it's it's definitely been addressed and needs to be better um to your point about like those kind of mistakes of like not getting a puck in deep it's one thing we definitely learned in this regular season series is you cannot make mistakes against Carolina. They are very opportunistic. They put a lot of pressure on, they play aggressive and, and they can take off like they have speed. So if you make mistakes, whether that's not getting a puck out, that should be out, not getting a puck in deep during a line change and getting caught, you know, on an odd man rush the other way, like those kind of things just cannot happen against this team because they, they will make you pay. And I think, I think the Bruins can beat them if they limit their mistakes and take care of business, but you can't do that because Carolina's not going to make a lot of mistakes either. Like they're, you know, we, Brian and I mentioned this a little bit um, during the week when we recorded, like Carolina is one of the few teams, certainly in the Eastern conference, but probably in the whole league that does is defense as defensively sound as the Bruins and is as committed to team defense um, and does have as good of a structure. Like Rod Brendan Moore has built that into them. So they're not going to give you a lot of mistakes either. So you, you better not be giving it to them. All right. Is it prediction time? Cause Scott has to, he's at the studio. He's got to go do the Sunday skate. Uh, but so I guess, Brian, go ahead. You go first. You're the negative one. <laughs> I'm not the negative one. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the realistic one. Oh, uh, okay. Well, look, I mean, I, I think, you know, I think either team could win the series. I, I really do think it's kind of a pick them. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to envision the series and I just feel like, I don't know. I, the, I'm not, I'm trepidatious with the Bruins because I really just think that there's a lot of pressure on their top, their top guys to score. Whereas I just feel like I feel like these other top teams throughout the league are able to find some scoring down the lineup. And it's not that the Bruins haven't gotten out of points this year. I, I'm just talking about when it matters most. Right. So, like, I think they get plenty of offense, at least potent, like there's a lot of potential for the third line to there's, there's potential. But I'm but I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to see a situation where Trent Frederick comes up with a big goal in overtime for the Bruins to win. Or, hey, he's been going to the net or Nick Foligno or there's and I'm and. You know, whereas I could see it, whatever. I just, I think it's going to be a tough series for the Bruins. Um, but I do think it's going to be a long series. So I guess if I, I hope I'm wrong, but if, if I'm being consistent with what I said earlier in the podcast, I just feel like 
Um, I do think Carolina is going to win. And that doesn't mean that if the Bruins lose, I won't be able to pick them in the next series because, you know, things change and, and, and whatever. But based off of how, you know, the power play has been struggling, obviously, um, the goaltending, obviously, we need to see it with the Bruins. Um, and there hasn't been a ton of time for, for that Bruins top pair to gel. I, I think they're going to be perfectly fine. I'm just saying, like, I don't know. I think there are some vulnerabilities. I mean, how many times – and maybe it's because we watch the Bruins and, 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 and so closely that like we notice everything, but I, I, every time a, like the, a team flips the puck into the air on the Bruins in, in the neutral zone, it just ends up, you know, having the Bruins in their own zone for like two minutes at a time. And I can see Brandon Carlo making mistakes. I can see Matt Grizzly getting, 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 you know, pushed around and forechecked hard on. I mean, in one of the more recent behind the B episodes, um, you see Grizzly in the locker room and, with his shirt off and like his, his, his right shoulder, I believe just, you know, all taped up and this and that. So I think he's going to be targeted that, that second pair, I think needs to really step up. If that second pair can play to the way that, where they can play, like I said, I think the, I like the Bruins, but um, I'm going to say, I guess for the sake of a discussion, I'm going to say Carolina, Carolina and seven. No rhyme or reason. It's just kind of a gut. And like my, my, my opinions might change throughout the series, but if I had to just kind of say right now, I, I I don't know. I'm going to say Carolina in seven. Hope I'm wrong. I I also think it's going to be a long series because I think they're two very evenly matched teams. I don't think Carolina is going to be pushed around as much as they have been in past playoffs. I don't think it'll be as lopsided as those previous two series. The Bruins have played against them. Um, you know, a lot of similarities between these teams, whether it's being good five on five, being good defensively, both struggling on the power play, both looking for, you know, both having goalies who have something to prove. Like, but I think, I I think the Bruins are going to end up with an advantage in goal. I have a little more faith, at least going into the series with what they have versus what Carolina has with Anderson, potentially missing a couple games. And even when Anderson comes back, despite his great season, he doesn't scare me. The you know the Bruins have scored on him in the past. Um, I do think if if either power if one power play breaks through and the other doesn't, that could easily decide the series right there. But I don't lean one way or the other in terms of whose power play that might be. So um, as I touched on it, I like the Bruins' high end talent more. I trust them more to get the job done in a close game late or, um, or take over a game if they need to. And I think that'll be the difference. I think the Hurricanes, once again, won't quite have uh, their top guys be able to step up when it matters the most. And uh, ultimately, I'm picking the Bruins in seven. I got Bruins in six. Um, and I think that the kind of the points you bring up about the slumping power play, I almost feel like I don't put – much stock in the fact that the Bruins, even though they were terrible and went over 36 uh, until Pasana came back, I feel like the power play looked so different with him back in there that I'm not as worried about them being, you know, like going back into one of those kinds of slumps. I think they're out of it. Uh, I know it's only one game, but I just think that with Pasana on that power play, it's completely different um, in terms of goaltending. I completely agree with Scott. Um yeah, and I, I just I see it as a game that doesn't go a series that doesn't go seven. I 
think I'm maybe the most optimistic. I think it would be Bruins in six, as long as they can keep healthy, especially, especially defensively. And I don't think that that McAvoy Lindholm pair will have any issues with chemistry. No, I don't think they will either. And look, I, I, I like I said, I, the Bruins, in my opinion, can, can win a series just as easily as Carolina and, and they could, you know, they could, I could see the Bruins winning in six. Like Bridget said, I can see Carolina winning in six. I, I just, I truly just don't know. Um, I'm be, I'm pretty much just going off of, um, you know, the, the Bruins haven't been, they, 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 actually they, they did finish pretty strong, I guess. So the, relatively speaking. Um, I just think, so Scott talks about how he, he has more, more faith in, in Carolina, uh, Boston's high end guys. And I do too, but I just think that in these types of, don't forget the hurricanes were the, they're the third team in the national hockey league. They're like, so, I mean, they're, they're a very formidable team, but when you get down to your top two lines, I just feel like oftentimes they negate each other. So I just don't think that Craig Smith, Coyle and, and Frederick have been, they haven't been, they've been very, very like reliable and, and consistent as, as far as being not, not being scored against and being tough to play against, but they haven't been scoring enough as a, as a line for me lately to be like, yeah, they're going to be the difference in the series. Now, obviously we've seen Craig Smith bust out for like, you know, five goals in the two game stretch. So if he becomes that Craig Smith in round one, then there you go, they're off and running. But I just think that if you're, if your top two lines are negating each other in theory, for the most part, tight checking the top deep areas on the top lines, whatever. And it comes down to those third and fourth lines, the Bruins third and fourth lines are very, very reliable, smart hockey players, but they're not, neither line has really showed that they're dynamic offensively, like a, like, like a Stanley cup um, bottom six ends up being right. So not that Carolina's really is either looking at their roster, but um, I just think that, it's a lot of pressure on the Bruins top guys. So we will yeah. see. I, yeah. I do. I want to make a quick point. Just not, not that this factors in negatively. I actually think this could be a positive in a weird way. Um, between both Bruins goaltenders is only one game of playoff experience. And that's Swayman. Um, all Mark has never played in the playoffs, but I think he's pretty eager to get in there and, and you know, um, get his chance finally. Cause he's been waiting. Uh, Buffalo, obviously not making the playoffs. Uh, when, when he's been there. So Swayman with one game of experience um, and Olmark with none, I don't think it'll be an issue, but I just wanted to bring it up. Yeah. And one thing I'd close with that we'll get into more with Sarah, but we haven't really touched on Carolina's third line. Um, Nino Niederreiter, Jordan Stahl, um, Jesper Fast is one of the best checking lines in hockey. And I think Carolina will use them as a match as a matchup line. I'm just very curious and I'm curious to see what Sarah thinks of what line they use them against. Is it, do they use them against Bergeron and Marchand or against Hall Hall and Pasternak? And I do think whichever one doesn't get stuck in that matchup should be freed up a little bit. And I think, you know, can do some damage against one of Carolina's other lines. Yeah. And then it looks like Carolina's fourth line is uh, at least according to daily face. I don't know, but it says uh, Martin hook, centered by uh, Coke Kanyemi and, and then Marty Natchez on the right. I don't know if that's, if that's updated. Um, yeah. There's been like, there's been a bunch of rotation with that. Again, we'll, we'll see what Sarah thinks it might be, but like, I know like Derek Stepan's been on that line. Um, Steven Lorenz, like there's been a few guys in and out of there. Well, 
any one of those combinations, you know, offers more offensive upside than what the Bruins have on their fourth line. So it's just, when I talk about that battle of uh, those depth forwards, I think it's going to be very important. Um, also, one last thing that we haven't touched on that's worth mentioning, Chris Wagner's back. He is uh, sticking around with the team as one of the extra forwards after playing a pre- one of the few Bruins who had a good game on Friday uh, against Toronto. In his, in his first game of the season. Yeah. Yeah, so is there any um, is there any more to to talk about there, Scott? With as far as like who the Bruins, um, I don't you don't really have dark aces, I don't think, until the finals, right? But like just like their reserves, we have an update on like who their their total playoff reserve list is. Yeah, it won't really expand until Providence is done with their playoffs. But right now, the extra forwards are Anton Bleed and Chris Wagner, and the extra defensemen are Mike Riley and Josh Brown. So. Everyone else got sent back down, and Mark McLaughlin got sent down, who had been in Boston the whole time since signing out of BC. Um, you know, because the Bruins really wanted to give him give him a shot and see exactly where he was and what he could be. But you know, he struggled a little bit in his most recent games. Uh, took a double minor against Toronto. Also had a turnover that led to a goal. So you know, they're going to give him. I think he needs to play and that's not going to be in Boston in the playoffs. So send him down to Providence, let him play some games there. And, you know, you might see him again down the line in the playoffs, especially if to Brian's point, if the Bruins are in a situation where they think they need a little more offense from the fourth line, um, you know, McLaughlin has shown that he's someone who can finish some chances. So could be an option down the line, but he won't be with them to start. All right. Any of you guys have anything else before we throw it over to Sarah? Nope. Good. All right. Let's talk to her now and then we'll, we'll talk to you guys on the other side. All right. Welcome back. And right now for some insight into Carolina's perspective of the uh, opening round series between the Hurricanes and Bruins, uh, we'd like to welcome our guest, Sarah Sivian of The Athletics. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. How excited are, uh, is Kane's Nation to get some retribution on, the, on those, those dreaded Bruins? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You could tell with the regular season series, they're kind of coming for it's personal against the Bruins, you could say. <laughs> you know, I, Brian, I was supposed to get first question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> forgive, me, forgive me. Yo, let's, let's, let's roll it back. All right. Three, <laughs> two. <laughs> Rangoon is sleeping right now. So let's not awaken her anyway. <laughs> uh, she usually- is an angel. Usually it's Bridget's cat that interrupts the scheme. Yeah, my cat Daisy was looking into straight into the camera for the first part of this that we <laughs> recorded this morning. She was just like, oh. <laughs> "Always watching." In- mm-hmm. I can never do a I can never do a podcast without some sort of interruption. Yeah, usually it's from Scott, but this morning it was from the cat. Yeah, <laughs> Scott or the cat. Bridget, you got wanna go for your question? That was my question. How's your- oh my god. <laughs> Come on, you don't even care about my cats? Guys? Yeah, come on, guys. That was the most important question. All right, Scott, All right, you started off. Yeah, I'll jump in then. So let's start with the obvious one, goaltending. Uh, we, we saw we saw today that Frederick Anderson will not be ready for game one. Uh, Rod Brendamore didn't announce the starter, but what's your guess on, on what Carolina's plan is? God, it's tough to – even guess Rod was coy. Rod always does this, right? He loves to mess with me. I asked him who was going to be like, is it going to be Freddie? He's like, it's not Freddie. I'm like, is it Ronda? He's like, maybe. So maybe, but it goes to show this kid who is the March AHL 
uh, goalie of the year, and he went 13-1-1 in the AHL. Um, his name is Peter Kochetkov, Kochetkov. He does not speak a lick of English. He is he had to be emergency recalled to the hurricanes when Freddie and Ronta were both hurt and he played three games, won all of them and was just absolutely electric. And he, the, the legend of Piotr goes far beyond just this. Like he was in the AHL again, he doesn't speak English, but he was threatening the other bench trying to fight them for like an entire game. So People love to play for this guy, and you're seeing this with the NHL too. And I do think it's one of those weird things that like Ronta might not get the start because this guy like is so electric and such a story that it reminds Rod of when he was in 2006, the captain of the Hurricanes with Cam Ward, and he saw how that random goalie kind of brought everybody together. And I think he's thinking of Piotr. <laughs> well. That'd be that'd be great for the Hurricanes if that if that comes to fruition. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, back on to goaltending. Did he have any inclination as to when Anderson could be back? Has he well, alluded to that at all? I am told, and I was told before that he should be ready by the end of the series. And it's different though because they aren't thinking of if he's ready to go. It's more of like, is he going to be the best option when he's ready to go now because he has to get back into skating shape. And he also, now there's this random like goalie that came from nowhere. So I think they're like seriously looking at that option, whereas they weren't before where they're trying to rush him in as much as possible. So I think he's going to be ready, Freddie, um, during the series, but I don't know if he's going to get in. So it's very interesting. This is going to be like two years in a row that the Bruins on a nightly basis just have almost no idea which goalie they're facing. Because yeah. remember last year against Washington, they faced three different goalies in, <laughs> in five games. Like it was crazy. And then That's two never in the a Islanders great sign series. either, though. Like you kind of want no. the number one goalie. So I'm like, I don't know if this is good for the Canes, but it's so. Well, and, and with both teams in this series, you have, you know, until Anderson goes back, you have four goalies who have never started a playoff game. Yeah. Like that's. <laughs> That's pretty rare too. So it's so weird, but it's going to be re- like goalie is obviously the most important position. So it's just going to be so unpredictable. Probably more fun for the folks at home watching. Yeah, and, and both of these teams, you know, have a incredibly sound, uh, you know, defensive structure in front of these goalies. So that that's that's a plus for both teams. Um, so Sarah, my question, my first one is um, obviously you. I mean, you've followed the Bruins like your whole life, obviously. But um, as somebody following the Hurricanes, you know what the Bruins are capable of. Um, but where would you where would you say that the Hurricanes may have an advantage in this series over the Bruins? Obviously, you know, the regular season was was all Carolina, but I think you know, we all probably think that it's kind of irrelevant at this point. Um, where, do, where do you think they may have the edge? Yeah, Brenda Moore said the same thing yesterday. It's totally irrelevant what happened in the regular season. And he he has coached two teams that have beat teams that have swept him in the regular season in the playoffs. So it's kind of like it really doesn't mean much to this team. But I think it's I like to describe it as the Hurricanes are getting older in a good way and the Bruins are getting older in a bad way. You know, like their core is just kind of aging a little bit out of their window perhaps, whereas the Canes are aging into their window and the goalie stuff, right? If Rask was 
still playing, I'd think the Bruins would win. But now that they are, he isn't, and it's not kind of his last season of glory or how that was supposed to be, which is so unfortunate, I think the Canes have an edge. Yeah, so uh, it's interesting that because I wanted to ask about this too. Like you mentioned the Canes sort of aging into like their core years. And I feel like, you know, for a while now, they've been sort of that young up and coming team where, you know, they're there and you think maybe they're ready to take the next step, but they, they haven't quite done it yet. And the last three years, you know, I know they got to an Eastern conference finals, but every series they've been eliminated has been a short series, right? Mm-hmm. Sweep by the Bruins, five games by the Bruins, five games by Tampa. I feel like they, like, I feel like this should be their time to, like, really make a run, compete against the best teams, not necessarily win the cup, but, like, at least show that they can go toe-to-toe seven games with the best teams in the league. And I feel like there should be some some pressure on them because, to me, they're not just, like, that young team anymore. Like, like, you, like they are in their primes. Is that fair or or are the, do they not really deserve that pressure? No, you're right. And I think Sebastian Ajo's press conference after the lightning in the second round last season kind of showcased where they were at. Like he was so disappointed and he was, he was very set himself pissed off that they need to make the statement now that they are more than just this team. Cause like, you never know, right? Like you always say with teams, Oh, there's one more year. There's one more year until there isn't right. And then you're, you're never granted as many years as you think you're going to have and you need to seize the opportunity when it comes. So the fact that they, other than their goalies are pretty much in good health, they really need to do this now. And I think that's why I kind of in a roundabout way, like the Bruins matchup, because if they beat them in the first round, it kind of shows them that in one way, the boogeyman's gone and that they can beat that big beast team that they had failed to beat. And then they just have to keep going. Right. Yeah, that was something that, you know, uh, whoever the Bruins played in the first round was going to have that that added sentiment like or incentive mm-hmm. because it's if it's not Carolina slaying the beast, it would have been Toronto mm-hmm. trying to do the same thing. Um, I mean, for those well, reasons... Thank God we don't have to hear about that. Sorry, God. <laughs> <That's> exactly, <laughs> Let's, like, it, praise I know. the Lord for that one. That's I, I have no issue losing to Carolina. It would be insufferable losing to, uh, to Toronto and their fans. Um, yeah. Especially after our, all the shots we've taken at them on this podcast yeah. and on the station. Or, or, this is a podcast for me. <laughs> or, or Pete. That would have that been Pete Blackburn's nightmare. Um, but for the reasons that, that Scott kind of brought up about Carolina, like kind of seem like their times now, I agree. I mean, I, I'm I'm um, really high on Carolina, Sarah. I actually think, like I, you know, I said it earlier in the podcast, but I, I do have the Hurricanes winning the series. I hope I'm wrong. But it, it does kind of seem like, Every every franchise gets to that gets that 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 window where it's yeah they're matured it's 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 their time and um I, it's kind of hard to pinpoint why I think it's gonna be Carolina because obviously I know what the Bruins can do in a series with their structure and I know that they have their high end guys but um I just I, I can't shake the feeling that it could be Carolina's year to at least you know get past the Bruins but with that said we obviously know about Aho and Shvetsnikov and and you know a few others but who are some some X factors you think down in Carolina that you know, maybe most Bruins fans might not know of. 
Well, enter Seth Jarvis. He is a rookie who they didn't even know he was going to make the team at first in the beginning of the season. The team is already so stacked that they couldn't really afford to bring any other rookies or anything like that on the team. But Rod Brindamore loved this guy. And when Rod's speaking up about a rookie, you kind of have to listen. So he... He didn't. He was very sheltered in his time on ice, and just recently started getting a lot and running with it. So he's not going to win the Calder or anything. I think I'm going to put him fifth on my ballot or something like that. But he has like taken the reins. He's on a seven-game point streak into the playoffs, and Rod has him on the first line. Um, he look. He's very short and very fast, and he looks up to Braden Point, which we're all getting pretty old. Like if that's <laughs> who our rookies are looking up to. But Braden Point actually told him during a preseason game. Buddy, if you keep playing like that, you're going to make the NHL. And then he did. So kind of cool moment there. He's getting recognition from Braden Point. And he might have like a Braden Point playoff performance in him. I feel like when some guys are getting tired, he's going to, he doesn't know better, right? Like he, he might have a breakout playoff there. And another thing that Bruins fans might not know, like Bruins fans, we've, we've been writing to obviously they they know about the struggles on the Bruins power play they know that the Bruins have had injuries but what are kind of some of those things that have been happening with Carolina in this last stretch I mean what are the struggles that they're that your readers are going in going I don't know if they're going to overcome this it's so funny everybody has a dang meltdown over the special teams at the end of the year and I can tell you guys like they just don't care at the end of the year like there's so many games they have to play they don't want to get hurt and also Pasternak was out for so many of those zero for 36 games for the Bruins but then he gets back and they immediately are fine so that just shows you that but also the Canes are struggling on the power play but I will say they have the best penalty kill I've ever seen in my life and I'm not exaggerating and it is like 92% at home at the end of the season. So historic numbers there. I would worry if I was a Bruins fan about this penalty kill because the way they set it up is it's like they act as if it's their power play. They put their best guys, their most skilled guys on it and they do full court press and like try to get the puck and then score themselves. And often they do. So I'd be scared of that. But the problem is they take a lot of penalties and they don't know when to stop. So really bad penalties from the Canes, but sometimes it ends up being like practice for the PK, which is really good. Yeah. I think from the Bruins perspective and maybe Carolina fans feel the same way, but from the Bruins perspective, I feel like they have to at least break even on, on special teams. And that's Mm -hmm. a huge challenge because like you said, Carolina has the number one penalty kill. I think maybe one of the biggest stories kind of flying under the radar going into this is that the Bruins penalty kill also did not finish the season particularly strong. Everyone's focused on their power play, but their penalty kill was like 71% over the last 12 games, which is like 11 points below their season average. So um, yeah, they're, I mean, they're going to be, have to be a lot better because it's, it's going to be tough on their power play, but they've got to at least limit Carolina's power play, whatever chances they give them. And you know, that's, it's interesting. You know, you talk about Carolina's power play pressing like that. I mean, penalty kill, you know, the Bruins top PK unit does that Bergeron and Marchand, like they're, they'll take off. They're trying to score, but their other units don't do it quite as much. Like they'll do it at times, but it's not, you know, the full two minutes of that usually. And that's, you know, I almost think like they should be more aggressive like that because Mm -hmm. I think some of, some of these struggles recently has been, getting a little bit too passive on the PK. So 
you know, I don't know how you think like Carolina's power play matches up or, you know, if, cause I know they ended the seat, like you said, ended the season on a slump as well. Is that, you know, are there actual concerns there or is it, they just sort of coasted to the finish line? Well, it's interesting. Cause I was talking to Ray Whitney about this like last week and he won the cup with the Canes in two, obviously he's a legend won in 2006 and his, He's played 24 seasons in the NHL, but he said he really loves the team where I'm like scratching my head, thinking of a star for the Canes, right? Because you want that star player that's constantly producing. And obviously you've got Ajo, Svech, but it doesn't seem like anybody's really like stepping up to score all of these goals and points where like many of the top teams do that. But Ray Whitney said he liked that. And he likes that the two units on the power play are as dangerous as each other where I'm like, I feel like that's a source of concern, but I'm not going to go against Ray Whitney. He said he likes that, that everybody gets an equal share and that's how Rod's coaching where like they don't leave anybody out for a certain amount of more time to make an impact. He's like, okay, it was your chance and you didn't, you blew it. So here comes the second unit. And I guess a good story idea would be to look at, how many points the first and the second units have had, but I feel like they both struggled at times and it just is, it's so fickle on special teams, right? Like you want to point to a reason why they're so good or so bad right now, but sometimes it just be like that. Like it's just, it's, it's such a unique situation and they only get two minutes per game, whatever it is. So it's not like sometimes we overthink this, right? We do, and, and and confidence. You know, any team that has uh, confidence, right then and there, that's that's the that's the magic uh, formula. Um, you, and on the penalty kill, I mean, the full court press is a great way to describe it, Sarah. I mean, I, I was talking about it with Scott recently too, um, because last week we were we gave City a, buckets. Yeah, we, we got basketball. <laughs> we got the go Celtics, baby. We uh, we gave a little Carolina preview last week, and it was when it was looking like it was this would be the matchup, and. Um, we were just talking about how exactly that, like they, the one, of the, you know, the biggest advantage for a team on the power play is, you know, being able to um, on puck retrievals get you know out, outnumber the PK and and mm-hmm. Carolina just they're, they're so good at eliminating that. And yeah, the gamble is okay. Now they're leaving somebody open, but the ch- but they're challenging the opposition to move the puck quicker to to take advantage of that, and so they just do that very well. Um, yeah. So I, I think. Again, that's yeah. The, their PK is another reason why I'm kind of leaning them. But um, here in Boston, uh, we love, we all love Charlie McAvoy. Um, we love the new toy in, in Hampus Lindholm. But down in Carolina, obviously Brett Pesci and, and Jacob Slavin. Um, I don't think get enough notoriety around around the league with hockey fans. Just talk about you know those two guys and, and, and their ceilings in a series like this. It's interesting because they've been there at least sort of from the start where this team has been so mediocre. They were drafted by Ron Francis with this team and they have seen kind of the highs and the lows and they were so even keel the whole time. Um, Jacob Slavin is an incredible leader. He's very, he's a religious person, which matters to him. And he, the way he describes it is he kind of like gives every game to God and trusts God or whatever, but he, he's very even keeled and he, he's very loyal to the hurricanes team is how I describe it. Like he had opportunities to kind of, I, I don't know how to, I'm maybe getting off track there, but with him and Brett on the ice, they are very, 
even killed people who Brett Pesci broke the plus minus record, which I don't know how much that actually matters, but broke the record a few years ago um, for the Hurricanes franchise, just because he has been so good defensively. And recently he's been scored. Like, I think he broke his points record this season too, while remaining that anchor. And it's just kind of like, it goes to show, like if you don't box players in, they don't have to box themselves in. Like, I think, they've been doing so well under Rod Brindamore's coaching because one time I sat down and asked Brett Pesci, it's so hard to describe with these guys, but because they're like, oh, we're good at defense. Like it's not (laughs) that hard. But one time I sat down next to Brett Pesci and I asked him, what's a system? Like we talk so much about, they have a system that makes sense. Like, what does that mean? And he said, Rod Brindamore encourages us, the defense, no matter who you are, to jump in the rush and get some goals or at least be around for a rebound and like keep the puck in, in the offense. So it takes a while for some defensemen to learn that, but since Jacob and Brett were already there, they can still be the defensive anchors while jumping into the rush. And it's like Rod won't bench them if they make one mistake. So I think that's something that is really important to this whole team that while Rod is coaching these young, I don't know if I'm like, getting to the actual questions but while rod is coaching these young guys he's encouraging them to make mistakes and i think that's where they've kind of found strengths yeah they've they've adapted to a system they were there yeah yeah no it makes sense um no totally i while while we're talking about defense i have to ask about tony d'angelo not so there's you know his past all the off-ice stuff fighting teammates that we could get into but (laughs) seems like and you can correct me if i'm wrong seems like that is stuff has not been an issue in Carolina this season and he's kind of, you know, fit in. Uh, so I'm more interested in on the ice because I see a guy who's obviously been a big offensive contributor. The analytics say, you know, maybe he's a little weak defensively. I don't know if that, you know, lines up to kind of what you've seen throughout the season. Um, but I, I feel like, I feel like he could be an X factor in the series, both because he's probably the, you know, Hurricanes defenseman most likely to, jump into the offense and, you know, he's replaced a lot of, at least offensively what they lost with Dougie Hamilton leaving. Um, but I also feel like he's maybe a guy that, you know, a Brad Marchand or a Taylor Hall coming down the wing could potentially expose. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to say about him. And definitely when he signed with the Canes, owner Tom Dundon said, I don't want to hear from you. You have one chance and we're signing you to this one year, $1 million contract, or we're never going to hear from you again. Like, don't mess it up. And he ha- he just put his head down and has worked hard. And you can tell he's fighting sometimes where the Canes have needed kind of a bigger fighting presence, I guess. Like, they need to be a little tougher. He's kind of done that. He's sc- He scored a lot and he has definitely helped he has been sometimes defensively weak and yeah he could be exploited but that's kind of the high event hockey that Dougie it was the same thing with Dougie I'd say like I don't think they're the same player but I do think when they're at the point of the power play and they accidentally let a puck go by like it's very hit or miss so it's definitely an area of potential exploitation but I do think it's helped more than it's hurt to have him on the ice because just of the way he's produced points when they have been in a lull, like that has really mattered. 
We're, we're at the point in this season where a trade deadline's passed, and now it's time to see if those moves were enough um, when you come into the playoffs. Do you do you think that the moves that Carolina made, because they didn't make a, a big splash and in at the trade deadline. I mean, the Bruins addressed some of their needs on defense, but do you think what they did with Max Domi was enough? Do you think that they could you know, struggle a little bit for not adding someone in this series? That's a good question. I think, first of all, they didn't have enough cap space and they'd have to kind of move mountains to make, and it wouldn't make sense, right? Like they're trading Nino for somebody who's going to be Nino. (laughs) Like, doesn't really make sense. And I scratched my head at the Domi trade at first until I found out they were only going to pay $1.3-ish million for him. Then I was like, oh, that's great. Okay, he's going to be a fourth liner next to Kokaniemi, who he's already played next to. And it has been really good for both of them. So I think I'm kind of seeing that. Um, I don't know if it will be enough, but the Canes especially Rod Bendermore, were like very vehemently not wanting to trade anybody on their current team if they didn't have to, because they believe in this group. And it's what has stunk is that for the past few seasons, I mean, like I think about my first season when I was covering this team in 2017, 18, like I got a really good grip on how special the team was and how like they all loved each other, but like not being in the locker room, I can't really see that. But with Rod saying he didn't want anybody traded from this team and that had been clear and they didn't do that. I feel like it's a vote of confidence in the team they already have and the way they're run. And he had asked like four or five of the Canes players that had already played with Domi about Domi. And they were like, Oh, you got to get this guy. So they did it for $1.3 million. Didn't have to give up anybody on their team. I think that's a win. Um, in hindsight, you can't really say if it was enough or not, but I don't know if anything they could have done would have made more sense. I think you might see uh, Max Domi introduce himself to Brad Marsh in, a, in some post-whistle scrums, <laughs> yeah. If, I, yeah. if I had to guess. Uh, Sarah, I, this is a very, very, uh, I'm going to say it three times to emphasize, very important question. Um, Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah. So we have a we have a more fat- question than more important than my question about Ragoon. <laughs> well, no, not 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 that, not that important, no. But um, we we do tend to have a little bit of a fashion segment on the show here and there. Oh hell yeah! And um, this is Brian's favorite part of the program. Yeah, yeah, it is. So look, I have a bone to pick with the Hurricanes, and I was hoping you can you know help me out, maybe talk to somebody before game one, which you know I'm not giving you much notice, but. I, I saw that they're just that they they're going with the with the back and black uniforms for the home playoff games, and I just I just for the life of me can't understand why because I hate those uniforms. You do? Um, I love okay, those uniforms. Okay, I'll put it, I'll say this: I don't hate them, but to me they're boring, far more boring when you compare them to their beautiful red home uniforms. And I was. Oh, I don't like those. I like the stealth of the black. You know what? We're gonna have to let you go here, Sarah. Um, <laughs> Real. They're gonna wear the whalers ones and piss off Jack that, that we That's that we can agree doing. on. So all right, so then you're probably not gonna help me out then because you like you like those uniforms. But I was I was a little upset when I found that out. And by the way, they've been tinkering with the uniforms the last month. They've been going black pants on the road yeah. and, and they, they just don't know what they want. You know, it's like they can't pick out the right prom dress. And um I'm told that's for the stadium series that they're like oh. trying out different looks. So I'm like, thank God, because they're trying to be cute or something. I'm like, I'm not here for this. They're like, we're looking at like 
the, the Twitter, they were saying things like that. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, well, like it made you look about at the team. I was like, shut up. No, they probably caught Brian though. Brian probably <laughs> fell for it. I did. did. I, I did fall for it. I, look, I'm a, I've, I've been obsessed with uniforms as I can remember. So look, Sarah, if, if, if you don't want to help me out, that's fine. I, you know, I just, I don't know. I like the red uniforms, always have. Um, although the Hurricanes have changed their uniforms probably every single year you've been covering them. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Which red uniform? Yeah, the current. Yeah. I guess the current ones. I suppose okay. we'll go with that one. The one this, that's they, wearing this week. On the road, are they at least wearing the white with the Kings diagonal down? Yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah. those ones I do like. Yeah, I like those too. All right. Well, I didn't make any traction on that one. I'll have to find somebody else. <laughs> Carolina, help me out with that one. Right. <laughs> Sorry, I like the black ones. Um. All right, so obviously we got to get your prediction, Sarah, but I don't know if you guys had any questions for her for, uh, before we get that from her. No, all good. I think we're ready for, for her prediction. All right, Sarah, lay it on us. What are you thinking? Canes and six. Just feels like more of their year. Feels like the goaltending matchup. Um, that's all I got to say. That's funny because in Boston, in Boston and even earlier, like we recorded part of this podcast this morning, it, to people, to people in Boston, it feels like the goaltending matchup favors the Bruins. Of course, I'm shocked that people <laughs> in Boston think the Bruins are going to win until Game One. If the Bruins' goalie situation stinks, then they're like, "Oh, they're going to lose in two games." <laughs> well, we, so we I think we a, all gave. We just all we all four of us gave different predictions. I think. Yeah. Yeah, we, we have a, a Kings and six, Kings and seven, Bruins and seven, and Bruins and six. Which means the series is not going longer than five games. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Someone's winning in four. Uh, exactly. Um, yeah, we have, to, we have to keep a tally this year and, and uh, see how, how who the most accurate prediction is. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just I, – I th- personally, for me, I don't know if the Bruins can, can you know, score enough down the lineup um, for me. And, and, and I do think the, the special teams is an issue. You know, their, their, their penalty kill in Carolina is – it's very formidable, and I, I with the Bruins pen, uh, power play struggling, it's not the team you want to play to get that back on track. Although they did score a few at the end, but I don't know. Like I, I think either team could win the series. It really is a pick 'em to me. But I have I have a feeling it, it, it just could be that that time in, in Carolina's development to to take that step. Yeah, I just feel like it's more about the Canes than it is about the Bruins, and that this was a really really good team this year that didn't get that much attention because there's not one guy you can point to that's scoring all the points but this is how Rod Brindamore kind of built his team around shot suppression and they allowed the least goals in the NHL this season and I think that stands out to me when you think about the playoffs right like I I do think that's going to help them out and I they ended up the number three team in the league so I do feel like they deserve a little bit of respect and I and I know it doesn't mean that much come the playoffs but I do think they're ready to beat the Bruins and they did only allow one goal against the Bruins during the regular season yeah and that was like comically have you guys seen Fred Anderson's stat line it was like it's insane, yeah. Sh- like, he even had this in assist. <laughs> that was the funniest thing to me ever. Uh, it's, it's it's not good when you face a goalie three times and he has as many as many assists as goals allowed. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's where I was checking out the, the highlights of their game in February. I think it was the last time they played. And it's worth mentioning, they the Bruins didn't have Marshall and Bergeron, and they obviously haven't played them since they got Lindholm at the deadline. So, it you know... Both these teams at full strength, 
in the playoffs, I, I really do think it's pretty even, but it should be a great series yeah. um, either way. You guys have anything else for Sarah? Nope, all good. All right, well, thank you very much, Sarah, for joining us. We appreciate it. And, um, you know, hopefully hopefully, uh, the, the, the boss of fans treat you well when you're wearing your, your black Hurricanes jersey. Hey, yeah. if it goes... Yeah, if it, I'm going to walk into my household in Canton, Massachusetts, wearing a Hurricanes jersey. <laughs> or your brother's wedding, maybe? Yeah. Oh, good idea. <laughs> that's my outfit there. We're done. I love it. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up for episode 93 of the Skate Podcast, and we will talk to you guys mid-series. Thanks for listening.